Awesome. Perfect. We are live. Good afternoon, everyone. Farrell here with another Farrellism podcast. We have a very special podcast today with a very special guest. I have Mr. Norman Plotkin. Hi, Farrell. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here, sir. Looking forward to this awesome discussion that we're going to have. Before we get started, for those that are looking to follow me, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube at Feralism, on Instagram at Feralism15, and then this podcast will also be on all major platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts looking for Feralism. And where can people find you? I'm at www.normanplotkin.com. I'm also on Facebook at Norman Plotkin Inc., Instagram, Norman Plotkin CHT, LinkedIn, Norman Plotkin, and I, I'm just starting my YouTube channel, which is under the same name. Awesome. So yeah, let's get started. So today's podcast is going to surround what you do, which is hypnotherapy, which I have to say, when I first heard about it and what it really entailed, I don't know much about it. It just, it sounds so fascinating and interesting when you connect it to how the mind works and how it really impacts your way of life and your way of thinking, which I think is crucial because, and I'm sure you'll get into this as well, everything starts with how we think and how we perceive, and then everything just builds off of that, like the basic building blocks of life. Absolutely. The, you know, one of the seven, seven hermetic principles is that uh, everything is mental. And so we start lives basically in hypnosis. You are very suggestible, and from the time you're born until you're eight years old, you're mirroring and matching and sponging uh, from the people who are in your sphere of influence. And this becomes our programming. And later in life, it's very difficult to uh, change uh, that programming. And so that the, the behaviors that develop as a result of that programming are very difficult to change without some kind of focused concentration. So because everything is mental, um, you know, we have, we have a great deal of power. And these days we have so many external forces with our 24 seven wired society and everything is virtual. And so often we tend to leak our power to external forces, people, places, and things that are external to us. When in reality, we're powerful beings and our power lies in our ability to control our inner world. The control of the outer world is illusion. And you'll get nothing but frustration when you try and exert your attempts to control the outer world. When you control your inner world, you'll be amazed that the outer world will conform to what you're after. We really are that powerful. Do you feel too that when people talk about the factors that they can and can't control, when some people get down or frustrated about something, they're like, oh, I shouldn't worry about this because it's out of my control. Do you feel that that's really our way of trying to justify our way of thinking and saying that maybe there's things we can control that are impacting that, whereas when we're just saying we can't control it, that's really not identifying? Yeah, I mean, we all have a story and it's based on our programming. And so we'll get into the hypnotherapy in a moment, but what I do with my clients is I ask them if they're ready to write a new story. You see, because people identify and, and they become their stories and it's really difficult to change. And so 
again, I just remind people how powerful they are. Another uh, uh, example is a great quote from psychiatrist Viktor Frankl, who wrote the book Mankind's Search for Meaning. And he says that between stimulus and response, between action and reaction is a space. And in that space lays your power because you get to choose what kind of human being you're going to be. So you can offer a knee-jerk reaction and leak your power to whoever just pulled your chain, or you can decide, take a moment, reflect, and decide who you wanna show up as. And that's where our power lies, in maintaining that inner control and that inner power and not surrendering to the persons, places, things, and circumstances uh, in the external world. That's really interesting. And before you get in, because you said something that resonated with me, before you get into hypnotherapy, you actually got me thinking. So hypnotherapy, I'm assuming, will deal with a lot of thoughts that are deep down that we have to really psychologically get to the bottom of. And so with that being said, would you say that self-affirmation and being positive for yourself and saying positive things, they, they help you. But would you say where hypnotherapy really trumps that is that the key is really selling yourself on the interior, whereas the exterior, just saying these words of affirmation, but when you really hypnotize yourself or really instill in yourself what's going on on the inside and the thoughts that you're not saying out loud, those are the key elements that really cycle into your overall being and soul of, of positive thinking and just getting back to where your center is. Well, that's right. Um, Self-talk is super important because you're listening. Every cell in your body is listening to your self-talk. And so, but here's what we're up against. If you were, as a kid, your parents said, money doesn't grow on trees, that becomes your programming. And your daily affirmations uh, for abundance and success are gonna run in headlong to your programming that says money doesn't grow on trees, which is just a metaphor for scarcity. See what I mean? So you can, you can affirm abundance every day, but if you have this scarcity mentality that was instilled in you when you were five years old because your parents said money doesn't grow on trees, it's really gonna be difficult to overcome that. So while affirmations and self-talk are absolutely important, it's important to understand also that if you know your programming is contrary to the things that you want to accomplish, you're going to be stuck. And no amount of affirmation is going to allow you to overcome that. Does that also kind of, would you say, tie into the idea that, let's say you're having some issues in your life with a specific topic and you keep telling yourself that it's going to work out, that you're going to get better at this, and you have setbacks or you have circumstances that disprove what you're saying. Is that the same thing where it's contradicting? So it doesn't matter how much positivity you tell yourself, your circumstances are telling you a different story and your brain's almost in limbo? Absolutely. So I'll give you a really good example. I don't know if you golf or have ever golfed, but you, uh, when you're on the golf course and you're on a hole with a big uh, water feature and you step up to the tee box and you say, I don't want to go into the water and you slice it right into the water, right? Because the subconscious mind didn't hear, I don't want to. It just said, it just hears go into the water. And so uh, to your point, it's really important that we understand that how we frame our self-talk is, uh, is critical to accomplishing the purpose. So 
if you framed it negatively, or, you know, or, or, at, or feel like you don't have it in the law of attraction, you know, it's really important to feel as though you already have that money in your bank account, right? Or already have that skill that you're working toward. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And that actually goes in line with something someone to, said earlier to me, which was your brain sometimes can't process certain things, even if the intentions are good or positive, your brain doesn't recognize that. And maybe that's where what you're saying and what you're about to say with psychotherapy that comes into play. Yeah. Um, again, it doesn't, it doesn't differentiate the good or the bad. It just hears, you know, it just understands the concept. And so, um, you know, embracing already having the concept and feeling the feeling of having it is, uh, is part of that journey. That, that sounds like a truthful thing to think about. And I feel that's really important. So let's get to that next part with hypnotherapy. So most people's introduction to hypnosis and hypnotherapy is at the state fair or Vegas or Hollywood. And it plays an important role to show and demonstrate how powerful hypnosis is. I mean, you know, these people get up and on stage and cluck like a chicken or they, they go to sleep or, you know, they bite into an onion and think it's an apple. And it, it is, it's important to show how powerful the modality is. I'm a little uncomfortable by all of that because what I, what I try and do is use the trance state to help people with problems in their life, which I, I, I kind of feel like it's a lot more important than a Vegas stage show. But, you know, people misunderstand. We want to make things more complicated than they need to be. And so that it's such a simple thing that people want to make it something else or they, or they you know, misunderstand it because it, it is such a simple thing. There are three things that are needed for a hypnotic modality. Uh, authority, a doctrine or a paradigm, and you have to feel something. So, you know, I went to school, you see my certificates on the wall. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the authority. The doctrine or paradigm is, is the, you know, the hypnosis and its history and my practice of it. And people feel something when they go into trance, they feel relaxed, they, they may feel relieved. I'll show, I'll give you an example of some others, hypnotic modalities. How about this one? A lab coat and stethoscope. Right. That's, that's the authority. The doctrine of the paradigm is the medical books on the shelf. And do you feel something when you go to the doctor? You know, if you get a bad diagnosis, maybe you're afraid or a good test result, you're happy. Uh, it's, it's not a good place to have your blood pressure checked. So that's a hypnotic modality. How about this one? Uh, a, a collar and a robe, a, a, a book, one of the several. And you feel something in church? Yeah, people sing and, and feel moved. And so that's a hypnotic modality. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very pervasive and we don't realize that we go into hypnosis on a daily basis. If, if you've ever been driving home from work and you roll into the driveway and don't remember the trip, you were in hypnosis. We might call it zoned out, but it's a trance. And, you know, advertisers know that. That's why drive time uh, advertising is so expensive. So, uh, or, you know, if you're watching a movie and you're really into it and you feel like you're in, in the movie, that, that's hypnosis. Or right before sleep when your eyes kind of flutter um, and it's a good time to write down some goals right before sleep because the subconscious mind will mull over it uh, while you're sleeping. It's, it, uh, hypnosis is Greek for sleep. 
but you're not asleep. It's a deep relaxation with focused concentration. Uh, there's a uh, movement in the UK uh, called the Human Givens Project. They've been doing a ton of research and they liken it to uh, a dream state. Like your eyes often will be in rapid eye movement and it's very dreamlike and you know, dreams have a purpose to help us manage our subconscious mind and, sub and hypnosis and hypnotherapy and the trance that it, um, that it creates is the pathway to the subconscious mind. Now, that's really fascinating. And it's interesting you brought two things up that really caught my eye. So when you're talking about movies, so I, I actually love movies. I love watching them. That's where I get some of my inspiration for my quotes. And I really do feel what you're talking about. I didn't know that there was a terminology for that, where that's, you know, dealing with hypnosis, where I feel like I'm living in that movie. And I feel like I'm there. I can just picture myself. Or the other thing, too, is speaking of movies, when you talk about how if you're driving home and you don't remember getting home, or there's a moment where you just don't remember and that's hypnosis. I always like to think of that, like in the movie Click with Adam Sandler, Autopilot, where you're, you're like your body's on autopilot and your brain's on autopilot. Well, that's right. The subconscious mind runs your body. I mean, the, the subconscious mind keeps your heart rate at whatever your heart rate is and your temperature at 98.6. It, it's uh, called homeostasis. And so the same subconscious mind that keeps all of our processes going keeps our, uh, we can't, we can't possibly manage the gazillion details that come at us from the, our environment and the outside world. So what we do is we process it in chunks uh, according to our programming and, and we uh, form habits, right? So you don't, you don't have to keep learning how to ride a bike, right? It becomes learned behavior. And this is the subconscious mind at work. The problem is, riding a bike is a good thing when you develop a bad habit that's the same subconscious mind. And you know, oftentimes these habits develop for a specific reason, but the underlying reason is gone, but the habit persists, right? So that's where hypnotherapy comes in, helping people overcome uh, outdated programming and things that, uh, you know, habits that, that are no longer relevant um, and, you know, uh, reprogramming the subconscious mind. Does that also tie into, so you mentioned riding a bike. So let's say, because it's like you said, it's learned behavior or muscle memory. So let's just say you ride a bike or you drive a car and you know how to do it and a significant amount of time goes by and you feel like you forgot how to do it. But is there a name or is there something tied with hypnotherapy where eventually when you get back into that habit, it's like that behavior was always there. It was just buried deep down and it was re-unlocked. Well, it was always there. And it's the ego that questions. So, you know, oh, can I do this? Do I remember how? The ego is always, are you good enough to do this? You know, it's always the thing that's questioning us and keeping us um, held back from our, our highest uh, capabilities. And, and so these are all blocks that the ego uses based on our early programming. It all comes back to when we were a kid. So when I do, when I sit down with a client, I always go back and do a review of their childhood and their family structures and understand um, how their early life contributed to their current behavior. No, that definitely sounds about, now let me ask you this. 
So when it comes to bad behavior, because you mentioned that, so let's just say there's someone who is addicted to alcohol or some bad habit. Hypnotherapy is probably one of the better solutions that, that's out there to help. How, how would you say it helps subconsciously help them realize that that's a bad behavior and it needs to end? Well, so there's two parts of the, of the mind. There's the subconscious and, and the conscious. And the subconscious is a, a collection of our experiences early on and becomes our programming. And the conscious mind is where it's our higher mind where logic, reason, uh, analysis, decision-making, and willpower reside. And so we think we're in control with that conscious mind, right? So it, stimuli comes in from the, the environment and the outside world, and the conscious mind uh, uh, analyzes it. But what it does is it, it, it compares it against our programming. And if it doesn't comport with our programming, then it will come up with a rationalization. So, for example, you're not born liking cigarettes, but somewhere along the line, your behavior, you know, your programming made it okay for you to smoke. And that, so even though the box says right on it uh, by the Surgeon General, this you know, warning, smoking can be hazardous to your health and could cause death. Even though you see that every day, you smoke anyway. So the conscious mind has seen that warning and compared it against our, the programming and came up with a rationalization. Well, I'll quit someday, or we all have to die sometime. I know people who've smoked for a hundred years and they still live, you know, see what I mean? So that's, we begin to process, you know, uh, rationalizations. You, would you say too, if it's something, if it's something that was like a tra traumatizing experience or an experience that led you into that habit, does the experience sometime make it easier to justify what's going on? Whereas for example, let's say you get into a car accident and you're afraid to drive again, but then eventually you get to a point where you can physically drive again, but mentally you, you just say, Oh, I was in an accident. I'm never going to, it, it does that experience help make it easier to justify that behavior? Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's why, you know, behavior forms because um, it, it's to protect us from, you know, from something that bad that happened. So um, uh, the, so if I, listen, if I asked you, why do you do that? And you said, well, 10 years ago, this happened. You don't, memory is completely unreliable. What you don't remember the details. In fact, you would recount them wrong. What you remember is how it made you feel. So when you have an experience, it creates a feeling and it create, and a feeling creates an emotion, which creates neurochemistry, which is stored in the body. So you had this experience and now your behavior going forward is, is uh, based on that experience. So you're living a, a predictable future based on an unreliable past that's robbing you of your precious present moment. So if you can go back and put that experience into context, you, it's very, very helpful to put that into context, to resolve the feelings that emerged around it so that you can stop living this predictable future and uh, because you fully understand what truly happened in the past. That's really fascinating. It's almost like unrepressing a memory that you've buried deep down that you can't even remember anymore. Oftentimes they're repressed memories and if the traumas, you know, everyone, trauma can be as slight as, you know, as a bitter disappointment. So we all experience them and if we don't resolve them in the moment or shortly thereafter, they become 
and we carry them in our gut and our in our body. We and then it's cumulative, so they can they can accumulate and they stack up, and so it can have dire consequences for our health. That's disease is uh, often the result of unresolved and repressed uh, memories and, and experiences. So, you know, being in touch with, you know, what happened and, and, you know, the conscious mind just, oh yeah, no, I dealt with that years ago, but really have you? <laughs> you know, I had a client who she had, um, a, you know, uncontrolled sugar cravings. And she, she came and saw me, so I did some sessions for sugar and she did okay for a few months. And then she called me in a panic and said, oh, I fell off the wagon, can you help me? Uh, and I'm sure, come on in. So she, she came in, I was reviewing her file and, and, I, and I remembered that her mother had passed away. And so I said, well, what's going on? She said, well, my mom's wake is coming and, I, and you know, I, I'm the one who puts on the, you know, the remembrance party. And, and uh, I said, well, well, you said you thought you'd dealt with your mom's death. Let me ask you something, did she bake for you? Did she make cookies and cupcakes for you? And she goes, I said, this isn't about sugar, it's about your mom. And that sugar was the connection to her mom. And once I helped her resolve her feelings around the loss of her mother, then the sugar just went away. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure a lot of people out there need to realize that or they're trying to realize that. And I think that that's why it sounds like hypnotherapy is a really helpful tool. And specifically, one of the last things I want to talk to you about along those lines, especially right now, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are dealing with anxiety or self-esteem issues or lack of confidence, or maybe they are struggling in their job because they had a bad interview or the dating world because they had a bad date. So what would you say, and I'm sure you've been seeing a lot of this with hypnotherapy with regards to those more fresh topics, especially with, you know, everything going on in the world, how you, how would you say that that helps combat those issues? Well, it's coming at us hard and fast. And if we, if we surrender our consciousness to the external world, we're going to feel bad in some way. And you listed a number of the ways that we can feel bad. So unless and until we realize that the notion of controlling our external world is illusion and embracing the notion that it's our inner world that we must control, uh, we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer uh, and feel like victims and, uh, and surrender our power to persons, places, and things outside of ourselves. So really, you know, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. And meditation is very much like hypnosis. Being quiet and still and getting in touch with your inner world, reframing your thoughts. You, a thought doesn't exist. It's, it, it's not tangible. It's not, you know, it's not something you can hold in your hand. Although Bob Proctor says if you can hold it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. But the point is not to give too much power to your thoughts and to realize how much power you have to create your own thoughts and to direct them in positive directions so that we are in control of and manage our inner world. And in so doing, we can cope with and navigate the outer world. No, that's, that's really awesome. And I really appreciate a lot of the insight with, it, with this topic and you coming today to talk about that. As we start to wrap up, are there any closing thoughts you'd like to say on this topic or just in general? Well, uh, hypnosis is a powerful modality. It's, it's simple and it's, that's confuses some people. 
um, a good hypnotherapist is going to be able to help you connect dots between your past experience and your current behavior and help you um, move past that, those limits. And it's um, everyone, I mean, the, the research says that about 80% of people can be and 20% of people can't be. I'll tell you that anybody who wants to be hypnotized can be. If you cross your arms and say, you can't get in, I, like I can't hypnotize you, right? So, but if you want to, you can be. And it's, it's, uh, it is good for a range of things from behavior to emotion, to overcoming blocks, to, um, to uh, you know, all kinds of things, performance, you know, it's really a really, powerful, positive, non-invasive, organic, and non-chemical modality that um, if anyone has an interest in, that, you know, really, really would benefit you from looking into. That's very awesome. And as we leave, uh, don't forget to mention too, is I was actually seeing them before I came on. I saw that you had, you have two books out there right now. I do. My first book is uh, Take Charge of Your Cancer, The Seven Proven Steps to Healing and Recovery. And it basically lays out the things that I learned from my cancer journey. Um, none of them are groundbreaking or new. I didn't make any of them up. But what I did was I collected the things that worked for me and um, that have worked for a, a lot of other people who've gone through the cancer journey. And so um, that was, it was a, you know, a kind of a cathartic exercise mm -hmm. to write about my cancer story. And, and uh, it's been helpful for others who, because you know, it's, there's, it's not just about the cancer. There's so much else that comes along with it. And we feel powerless and we surrender to doctors. And, you know, not that you don't listen to the doctors. It's just you have more skin in the game and, and you have to be your team captain. So Take Charge of Your Cancer is my first book. My second book is Mastermind, Master Life. And it, it um, is my introduction to hypnotherapy for people who want to look beyond Hollywood and stage hypnosis and understand what's the history of it. You know, trance has been used by humans for as long as they've been coming together. And um, so I, I detail the history of hypnosis. And then I talk a little bit about what science says. You know, now we have, we have technology to measure the brain and understand what's going on. In the old days, it was largely based on anecdotes, and that's why it wasn't widely accepted because it was just, you know, he said he had a good experience, and, but we can't prove it. And so now we know what's going on in the brain during hypnotherapy, so I cover that. Just enough science for those who need it, not so much that will bore you to death. And then finally, uh, how you can put it to work in your life. So Mastermind, Master Life is my uh, latest. It was published in July. And it's kind of an introduction to how hypnotherapy can help you. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for mentioning that. For everybody watching, make sure you go check those books out. And for those that are watching once again, this has been a Feralism podcast if, with guest Mr. Norman Plotkin. For those that are looking for this podcast or for myself, you can follow me on Facebook and YouTube at Feralism, on Instagram at Feralism15. And this podcast will be available on all major platforms under Feralism. And again, for those that are looking to find you, sir, where can they find you? Normanplotkin.com is my website. And uh, I do hypnotherapy with people all over the world uh, using Zoom. It's a great platform. Um, I'm also Facebook, Norman Plotkin Inc. And uh, Instagram, Norman Plotkin CHT. 
best place is my website, kind of tells my story, has the books available, and uh, what you can expect from hypnosis and hypnotherapy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And for those that are watching, as always, I hope you got at least one thing out of this. And I hope that it helped at least one person. It's very trying times. And that's why it's always awesome to meet awesome people like such as yourself. And also just get new perspectives and new ways of coping with a lot of things that we may be going through. So thank you so much. And I hope you guys all have a great day. And again, thank you so much for your time, sir. It's been really beneficial and educational learning about what you do and how this really affects the way of life. Thanks, Beryl. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.